Hey there, welcome to The Green Room, a regular podcast where we take a look at news and culture through a two-lane lens. I'm Ryan Rivette, and I'll be your host today while we take a look at the events that continue to unfold in Greece. Just today, Monday, July 20th, Greek banks opened for the first time in weeks after a nearly 8 billion euro bridge loan allowed Athens to avoid defaulting on its debt to creditors. So they've avoided missing a payment and, for now, are stepping back from the brink of bankruptcy. They're unpacking their collective bags, deciding not to leave the European Union. But what does this really mean? And how did Greece get here? To answer these questions, we sat down with the Tulane Provost, Michael Bernstein, who is also the John Christie Barr Professor of History and a Professor of Economics. We asked him to shed a little light on the situation in Greece. I think there are two broad ways to understand uh, the situation in Greece. One is just the general problem of what we call sovereign debt, which is the debt of sovereign states. And Greece obviously has a huge bill, something on the order of almost 130 billion U.S. dollars, about 86 billion euros in debt. Uh, And then there's the specific issue that Greece is now part of a monetary union, the so-called Eurozone, where they do not control their own currency value. Used to be the local currency was called the drachma. Now they're on the euro, like all the other member states in the eurozone. So this does not give them the opportunity to manipulate the value of their currency to try and stimulate economic growth. So those are the two issues that sort of frame this this crisis. And the accumulation of the debt is is a function of, you know, taxing and spending policies over the decades that obviously have resulted in Greece spending more than they've been taking in. That overspending has put Greece into a tremendous hole with debts that tally about 320 billion euros. That's somewhere in the neighborhood of double that country's economic output. Most of that money is owed to other nations in the Eurozone, but there's also a debt to the International Monetary Fund and the European Central Bank in Brussels. The debt to those last two creditors is what's really dragging the economy down, and what forced the Greek Prime Minister to accept a bailout deal predicated on what many are calling draconian austerity measures. There's sort of two schools of thought here. One school of thought would be what I would call sort of the disciplinarian school, which is Greece didn't live within its means and just spent, made, made uh, you know, overarching commitments with respect to pensions, public works, health care, education, and other social spending that they couldn't afford. And they ran up a huge tab. The other view is uh, more of a, what I would call a moral hazard view. What I mean by that is there were banks out there, many of them German banks, that were more than happy to loan money to the Greek government, no matter what the spending policies were. It's sort of like the mortgage crisis in the United States. Nobody pointed guns at banks' heads and said they could loan somebody earning $35,000 a year a mortgage to purchase a $6 million home. The truth is probably somewhere in between. The Greek government made some you know, political choices or politicized choices that resulted in their running up large uh, commitments, large debts. Uh, at the same time, there were you know, there were financial institutions across Europe who were more than happy to pour kerosene on that fire. And obviously, as the debt grows, the problem gets bigger. So it's harder. We all know this from our own challenges with our finances. It's harder than to cut back and, and get, you know, get some balance back in one spending. The measures that will be imposed as a condition of the 86 billion euro bailout include reduction in wages, increase in taxes, especially on small businesses, and an increase in the retirement age to 67. You know, the kind of cuts that will be imposed will hurt pensioners, uh, the young, the old, the sick, the infirm, um, you know, and that not only seems unfair on one level, these are the people most exposed to economic hardship, but also 
it's not going to help the Greek economy get back on its feet and grow. In fact, it's going to take more air out of the tires and slow the economy down even more. And that's really a bold statement. Right now, Greece has an unemployment rate of about 25%. That's one out of every four people out of work for you non-math majors. Maybe that's why, while the Greek prime minister was selling these conditions to parliament, this is what it sounded like on the streets of Athens. That's the sound of violent protesters clashing with riot police, in case you couldn't tell. People there are angry. They're angry because Greece has been under the thumb of other austerity measures for years, and they haven't been effective. The economy has not rebounded. And Bernstein says that this should have been expected. He says that the idea that there are only two possible situations that can unfold, default or further austerity, represents a false dichotomy. There is an alternative, and it's probably worth talking about what that alternative is. Okay, so, what is that? so, you know, if we look historically, not only in the immediate sense, um, in situations where governments have suddenly become so overwhelmed by sovereign debt that there's no way out short of a crisis or a catastrophe of some sort, you then write down the debt, which is a fancy way of saying you forgive some of the debt with the hope that you will then give that economy the breathing space and the stimulus to start to grow. And as it grows, then it can pay off the remaining part of the debt and hopefully get back you know, on an even keel. This is exactly what the Reagan government advocated on behalf of certain Latin American countries, Brazil and so forth, that had enormous amounts of sovereign debt they couldn't bring under control. Uh, the so-called Brady Plan, named after uh, the Treasury Secretary at the time, uh, negotiated a set of write-downs. Uh, not all the debt was forgiven, but enough to give these economies, you know, a line of sight uh, out of the wilderness. This irony is not lost on most historians. Um, a European government that had the benefit of a significant write-down of debt was Germany in the early 1950s. In 1953, uh, 1953, there was a major forgiveness of German debt to enable the German economy to get back on its feet after all the devastation and turmoil of World War II. And guess what? Germany took off. So if we, if we look for that middle ground and we ask creditors and debtors, we ask the banks in Europe to acknowledge some of their <laughs> part in this little drama, that they were pouring kerosene on the fire. And if we ask the Greek government to acknowledge part of its share of the drama, you can come to a middle ground where you're not essentially cutting the Greek economic nose to spite its face, which would seem to be the problem now if all you do is cut, cut, cut. You're, you're basically leaving, it's, it's like in boxing, you know, the, the fighter's on the ground. There's no point in continuing to punch them. Uh, that's not going to solve anything. And it seems that some members of the EU may be coming around to that kind of logic. Over the weekend, German Chancellor Angela Merkel said Germany may be willing to consider debt relief as part of the bailout. Bernstein says that to be effective, the write-down needs to be substantial, somewhere in the neighborhood of 50%. It remains to be seen if the powers that be in the Eurozone agree, although the head of the IMF called the Greek debt unsustainable and warned that at the current levels it may never be repaid. Bernstein agrees, and he says history is on his side. You cannot cut your way to prosperity, right? I mean, economic history is replete with examples of efforts to try and cut one's way to growth. You know, as I like to say to my students when I teach my economic history classes, less is less. So if you cut, there will be less. Why would you want to undercut the ability of Greek entrepreneurs and Greek workers to accumulate more money to pay you back? And really, only time will tell if those debts ever get paid back. Well, that's our show. 
Thanks to Michael Bernstein for sitting down with us, and we hope this offers a little insight into what's going on in Greece. We'll keep paying attention to what unfolds there, and we'll update the podcast if something monumental occurs. Thanks for listening, and we hope you'll join us next time in the Green Room.